<laughs> Good morning, church. There was a bumper there, but that's okay. How you guys doing? You guys hear me okay? Awesome. Well, uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Zach. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today is a really, really significant day, and my heart is full of expectancy. I believe that God is going to do something awesome. Is this mic hot? Is this, it's on? All right, we're working on it. Let's, uh, let's give it up for Vanessa Jackson. Um, I want her to come on up here. There we go. Um, Vanessa is wonderful. She's one of our own. Um, and so she, I'm calling her up to share a testimony, a story about something that happened uh, in the last couple weeks. So let's give our attention and our ears and our hearts to Vanessa. Yeah. Hi, guys. A few weeks back, Zach was giving a sermon on the power of prayer, if you guys remember that or not. And he shared about the power of a praying mother, which was convicting. I was like, oh, I should be praying for my kids. Um, In service that morning, I prayed for my children. And for whatever reason, that morning, I focused more on my stepson, Dakota, who lives in California. We don't get to be a bigger influence in their life because they live so far away from us. And I just prayed the Lord would give, give us an opportunity, but I didn't know how. Um, about four hours later, my husband and I are on a hike, and we get a call from him asking, can we come up and visit, or can I come up and visit you for Easter? And I was like, well, we can't tell him no. I literally asked for this. <laughs> so he comes up to visit us, and actually while he was here, he came up and gave his testimony about how accepted he feels here on Easter Sunday. And that day started talking and trying to figure out how he and his fiance are now going to move down here. Yeah, it was cool. Praise Jesus. Amen. Oh, I love that story. Um, yeah, God loves to respond to our faith. He loves to respond to our simple prayers. And he loves to destroy and defeat distance. <laughs> and that he, he does that in our family. He does that in our life. Uh, he does that with our own relationship with him. He's so faithful. He's so good. And so it's just awesome to cash in those joy checks of just God working and doing what he does. Amen. Let's continue with, uh, as, we, as we continue, let's just posture ourselves into some prayer here. Let's pray together. So Lord, we, we come before you knowing that you're sovereign and that you're full of order in the midst of our disorder. And, um, and you're faithful to draw in all of our scattered sensors, senses and all of our sprawling emotions or thoughts, and you just bring us into a place of peace. So Lord, I thank you for uh, testimonies like this and the testimonies of baptism um, and all that you're doing. We just rely on you, Jesus, and the power of your resurrection. Would you allow this word to go deep into our hearts so that we can leave changed? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. I want to start off with this statement. The future belongs to those who trust God. The future belongs to those who trust God, who respond to him with belief and with prayer, with proclamation and with surrendered practice. This then becomes the story of our life, how we respond in this way. This is what it means to be a people of the resurrection. We're one week downstream from Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. This is what it looks like. It, take, it just starts to embed and go into the deepest corners of who we are. It starts to, we embody it and we live it out in our relationships and in the world outside. Internal, giving birth to the external. 
And so resurrection, in so, in so many ways, it, it just changes things. <laughs> the resurrection changes things. You know, it's the central miracle of Christianity. The miracle that conquers death. It defeats distance, like Vanessa was talking about. It defeats the, she's in California, God's working. Defeats distance and like the emotional, it just starts to like give birth to new bonds emotionally in the family. Defeats sin and shame and it overcomes the grave. Let this never be like just normal language or Christianese. These are, these are like cosmic things that takes place on an individual level and on a global level as well. You know, and we believe the, the, the resurrection itself is punctuated by Christ's death on the cross where he took all of your sin, all of my sin, onto his body, all of the sins of the world. And then he restores us back into relationship with the Father. We were once orphaned, wandering by ourselves. And because of what the cross has done, we are now in fellowship with our creator. Let that penetrate deep into our hearts. This is a beautiful thing, eternal life. It's powerful. And what's even more wild is that God's like, hey, I want to invite you to respond and then participate in this grand plan of restoration. Like, I want you to be my emissaries. I want you to be my sons and daughters. Reflect me in this world and participate. I want to empower you with my grace, with my unconditional love. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you once had a little, like, Screwdriver, I want to give you a power drill for your life. Let's build some stuff. Let's renew the world. This is the opportunity that we have. This is the picture of the gospel. It's so powerful. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, and this is in the, the Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase. And I love, so he, he doesn't translate word for word. He pr- translates idea for idea. And I find it so faithful to the original text. And check out this language in Colossians. It's so juicy. It's so good. When you were stuck in your old sin, sin dead life, you're incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. This is what Jesus did. It's incredible. The resurrection, it changes things. It gives us meaning. It gives us perspective. It gives us power. In Matthew 28, 18, we know this verse well, but it is, it is a cornerstone scripture. The last commissioning of Jesus to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I love that passage. I'll never let that become, become numb to that. It's incredible. The resurrection is a life-giving force 
that makes Christianity unique. <laughs> and so we need to realize that God is integrating his grand story of the gospel with your story. And many of you guys have testimonies and stories like Vanessa and many others, whether it was your salvation or moments of healing, moments where you were rescued. I could, have, I could have lost myself. I could have lost this family member and God interrupts and integrates the gospel and the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus into our very story. It sets a new trajectory for our whole like, family line sometimes. It's incredible. And so we are resurrection people. And so we tell resurrection stories. I want to go through a, a resurrection story from, from the scripture in Luke 24. So turn your Bibles to Luke 24. Feel free to, to use the, the, the YouVersion Bible notes. You can scan your uh, brochure thing. <laughs> or it's going to be on the Sky Bible. There you go. So Luke 24, um, Jesus is crucified by the Romans, but then he resurrects. And so this is the same day that he's resurrected, and he has an encounter with a couple walking away from Jerusalem to a, a town called Emmaus. Let's jump in here. Luke 24, 13, we're starting 13 here. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked him, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their face downcast. In another translation, it said they were sad. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> it's like, have you, or they don't know it was Jesus, but do you know, like, have you been living under a rock? You must be from out of town or something. <laughs> How do you not know about these things? And then Jesus asks, what things? <laughs> Jesus is so funny. He's like so coy sometimes. He's just like this so subtle. What things? literally just resurrected from the dead. What things? He just kind of keeps it under his hat for now, right? Where are we? 19 continued. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels um, and said he was alive. And some, of, and some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And so in this passage we see this, we encounter these two disciples who are essentially fleeing from Jerusalem, okay? They're essentially fleeing and leaving behind their spiritual community. They're like, okay, all of this has just happened. Our leader, 
Our hopes in the Messiah, he's just been crucified. We need to go. And they just abandon their spiritual community, the community of believers, and they leave Jerusalem. And essentially, in a lot of ways, they're leaving their faith. And so all of their hope and their dreams, to think of all of your hopes and dreams, all of their hopes and dreams were, were in this man named Jesus and their idea of what he was supposed to do for them, right? He was supposed to, like, from their perspective, from their, from their angle, they have, been, they have been waiting. They've been, like, just earnestly waiting for the Messiah. They're still in the Old Covenant. They're waiting for, the, for this person to be in the line, like, in the, the spirit of Moses to come and rescue and redeem their people and to overcome the Romans, essentially. They, they expected this person to come and conquer the Romans and redeem Israel. But instead of conquering the Romans, he was literally crucified by them. Like, this is just like a shattering. And so for these two disciples, their, their hope just was cracking, like shattered glass. And so instead of looking out of a, of a window of hope, they're blinded by their fear. And fear, what is fear? Fear is, in some ways... When these, when these two disciples, a little, little premature, but that's okay. Uh, the fear is when our plans for our life and our desire for our life, our intentions for our life come under threat, okay? And so this is probably what these two disciples were feeling. Imagine that. You know, personally, and as a society, the last two years have been, like, wild. And I just sort of reflect for the last, what the heck happened the last two, three years? Like, I don't even, I, don't, I just get tired thinking about it, right? And this is taking place on a societal level, and this is also taking place on a personal level for me, and maybe for you. Like, pretty much any fear that could come up in my life has come up in my life. Fear is the anticipation of evil. And on one level, God has sort of like designed fear to be uh, an impulse um, neurologically that is appropriate. I think it's as an act of love to keep us safe from harm, to keep us safe, our bodies safe and our lives safe from harm. So if I were to be like, okay, hey, there's a Bengal tiger coming out of the stage right now. How would you feel? They, you rational people would actually be fearful. And that's a good fear. That's a good fear. And so that's not really the fear that I'm talking about, though. I'm not talking about that. that that's a natural good fear. I think the fear that I'm referring to, that I've felt, that maybe you've felt, is way beyond that, Right? It's no secret that some, something has gone deeply wrong with our relationship and our body's relationship and our soul's relationship to fear. I believe that fear actually is the root of almost all of our problems in the spiritual life. Why is that? Because the spiritual, like the end goal, what's the end goal of Christ, like following Christ? What's the end goal of the spiritual life? 
According to Jesus, it's to become a person of sacrificial and self-giving love, right? This is the way of Jesus, to love God and to love others. To benefit others at the cost of yourself. To love God at the cost of yourself. And then when we do, it transforms us. And we start to more vividly reflect the image of God. And so through union with the Father and through union with the Son and the Holy Spirit, we enter into this inner life with the Trinity. And we experience God's love. Like truly, not just intellectual, but we get to experience it in our inner, eternal being. This love, unconditional, full of mercy, full of conviction, full of truth, full of grace. And when this happens through Christ and by the Spirit, and it happens deep inside of us, and then as I mentioned, we are transformed over a long period of time, a lot of time, though, right? <laughs> Sometimes we can't have a fresh encounter and God supernaturally does things. But a lot of the time, it's this elongated process of faithfulness. Eugene Peterson says it's a long obedience in the same direction. And when we do that, it transforms us. It transforms our world around us. We start to terraform the world with the love of God. And so after this long period of time and on, on the way in this journey, we start to be pervaded by love too. And then, we, and then at that point, we, we become a people that can't help but share that love and share that story with the world. And so this is the journey of following Jesus. This is the journey, the spiritual journey behind Jesus as we follow his example. And the, funda the fundament fundamental thing that sabotages our faith is fear. I think of the famous line in 1 John, right? 1 John 4, there is no fear in love. And then he goes on, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear and love are juxtaposed to each other. So like where there is fear, love is suffocated. It can't really, it's hard to coexist with fear and love. One overtakes the other. But where there is love, fear has to go. You can't belong here. When we yield to the love of God, when we yield to loving our neighbor, fear is cast out. And so for these two disciples in Luke 24, their faith is under attack by fear and disillusionment, right? Just like, what just happened? He was crucified and humiliated. This is not the way it was supposed to go. <laughs> I'm disillusioned, I'm, I'm discouraged. And hope is lost. So let's continue in Luke 24, verse 25. Chapter 24, 25. And he said to them, you, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Yeah, a little tissue. I think my kids gave me a cold. Thank you. You know, these words are interesting. Right? Sometimes I think we have like Jesus in this certain like little like pleasant box. It's like a yeah, nice Jesus. Just give me a nice wisdom stuff. He, he's fierce sometimes, right? 
He can be direct. I mean, he's just like, have you not been paying attention to the scripture? Did you, do you not, you have no idea what's going on, y'all, right? His words almost seem harsh, but he never rejects. He never rejects. His words can be harsh, but he never rejects. He always pursues, unless we ultimately reject him. And that's, that's a real thing as well. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning who? Concerning him. So imagine, so he, he's like teaching them, this is the word of God, Jesus, the word of God, the logos, teaching the word of God. <laughs> it might have been a good teaching, I don't know, right? So he's like, he's explaining that the grand story of the scripture is actually pointing to him. It would have been awesome teaching, I think. And so even, here's another point about that, that verse. Like, even in Jesus' resurrected form, he goes back to the scriptures as authority. Right? If glorified Jesus goes back to the scripture for truth, we should too. We need to. And so, let's, let's continue, 28. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going, as if he were going farther. It's an interesting little, like, uh, description here by, by Luke, the author. He's like, why are you adding this in? Why does Jesus act like he's going a little further? Okay, I'm just going to keep going. That's Emmaus. I'm just going to keep going. And I think in some ways, Jesus is, like, messing with them. Like he's just being, I don't know, maybe he's just being playful, or, but maybe it, there's something even deeper than that. He's giving them a choice. He's giving you a choice. Whether or not to invite him to be with, with you. Jesus is always going to give us the option, right, to be with him. He doesn't force it. Like, just picture this situation. They're walking, and Jesus, the son of God, is right next to them. And they have no idea. He's not an imposing, dominating like, kind of presence. He's very humble. He's very meek. And he, and he, wants, to give an, he wants to give us a, a choice. And this also applies to listening to God's voice. We believe God speaks to us. Prayer is not just this like, email up and hope, hopefully it happens. Like, it's this relationship, and he speaks to our hearts. So the question is, are we going to choose to pay attention to his voice? Are we going to learn to cultivate hearing his voice or not? Are we going to be curious? Like, what is God doing? What is God doing right now in this room and in my heart or in my life or in my job? Like being curious about this stuff or are we just going to be distracted with the details? Just distracted by whatever the case may be. Are we also going to be, are we going to cultivate hunger for him? Or are we going to be full with ourselves? <laughs> or are we going to be full with the world? Or are we going to be full with, full with our own needs? I need these things. I'm just, that's, that's occupying our mind or maybe full of our fears. It's a choice. It's a decision. You guys hearing me? Yes. It's a choice. Even right now, do I lean in? Do I step deeper into the kingdom through faith right now, through the grace of the cross and the resurrection? I love this quote from John Mark Homer. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. It's a choice. Let's continue. Verse 29. But then they urged him strongly, stay with us, 
for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. Then he was at the table, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Bye. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. So imagine this. They just walked like seven miles in the desert with like not great shoes probably, you know, and just like they're walking and it's evening and they just ate some food. I don't know about, like I would have just been like, I'm full, I just want to chill. Like I'm gonna go, to, we can go tomorrow. But they're like so full of like their paradigm has been shifted. We just encountered Jesus. We're gonna go back to our spiritual community, the community of believers right now. And they just like basically book it back to Jerusalem. It's amazing. It's just like these encounters make you do things that you wouldn't normally do. Let's continue, 33 continued. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two, then the two told uh, what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is so powerful. And there's a lot in there. So let's zoom out for a second, okay? Zoom out. Let's look at this story. So we have these two disciples who are leaving Jerusalem and leaving their community, and Jesus is walking with these two, two disciples who are basically walking away from him. And so I, I want us to see the strength of this revelation. Jesus is walking with two disciples who are walking away from him. And so what does he do? He pursues them, and he gives them this Bible study that's apparently quite good. Starting with Moses, he proves that everything is about him and that he had to suffer and he had to die and he puts death and resurrection in context. And so they get the story of the gospel and it sort of clicks in and it makes sense to them. And then it says, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures with us? <laughs> and then they run back to the disciples and they share their story He's kind of getting what I'm throwing down here. They share their story. We have seen the Lord. It is true. God is not an impersonal and disconnected deity. He is radically relational, full of conviction and full of compassion. This is who he is. Eric, would you come up? Eric's going to come help me close with some nice ethereal sounds. You know, Jesus loves to meet people even when they're walking away from him. And he gives them a sense of hope and faith back. And he's done it over and over and over again to, with my life. <laughs> I feel like he does it every single day. <laughs> I'm just like constantly distracted, constantly just wayward in my devotion to him. And the closer I get to Jesus and the more I encounter him, the more I realize how much I need to grow, you know? It's like the more you kind of like understand who he is, it's like, oh man, I, 
I'm starting to actually see the contrast. I'm coming closer to the glory of God. Oh my gosh, I need you. I need you. Thank you for coming after me. And he does this, and then he comes with, his, with all of his truth and all of his peace and all of his love and all of his grace. And then he puts us back onto the journey, the spiritual journey of love and transformation. And we need him every single day. And it's not a climb, y'all. It's not a climb. We climb up this thing. It's really a collapse. Are we willing to collapse into his arms afresh every day? This is the invitation. You know, I can imagine these two disciples as they came back to their community and shared such a story with burning hearts. Have you ever met someone with a burning heart for Jesus? You just encounter them, you're like, I don't, what is going on? My faith is just being stirred by you. And then this like faith spreads into the community. Holy fire spreads into the community, the fire of the spirit of God. And so it's an invitation for us to live out the gospel, to make note of our own story, and to share it with each other, to share it with yourself. Charles Spurgeon once said that the greatest daily habit that we can have is to remind ourselves of the gospel. And it's not just like this like Bible story, even though it is, and it's awesome, but it's like, how is it integrating in your life? How is it integrating in my life, right? When we do that, man, our hearts come alive and start to burn. And so just practically, as we, as we move to a close here, into, in this next season as a community, I really want us to be intentional to spend time with Jesus. It should be all the time, but let's just like press in a little bit. Man, I'm going to just, I need to go to bed a little bit earlier. Personally, I'm just confessing so I can wake up and spend more quality time with God, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to listen to that podcast on the way to work or whatever. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Whatever the case may be, spend time with Jesus. Commune with him. Allow him to break bread with you, his own body. And then allow him to trade. So give, son, daughter, give me your fear. Here is faith. Allow him to do that in your life. Allow him to set your heart on fire and to share your story with yourself and with others. And so practically, again, I want to give us some practicals because I'm not just trying to spur our, our hearts. I want us to live this out. And so five practicals. We need to spend time with Jesus and allow him to replace our fear with faith. Number two, we need to allow him to fill us with his story of the scriptures, just like we see in Luke 24, Right? Number three, we need to remember and write down. I want to, like, actually writing it down does so much. Just write it down. Write down our story, how he's done things in our life. And then number four, we need to allow that to energize us in our faith so that we can act like never before. Like those two disciples, we are going back to Jerusalem. Like, just whatever the case may be for you. It's like, I need to... I need to do something here. And sometimes it's like grand like that, but sometimes it's just like, like small, ordinary faithfulness over and over and over again. And number five, we need to share our story and live it out. I hope that blesses you. 
Um, I would love for us to just shift our posture right now to a place of worship and prayer. And so with that, um, we have a lot of great things in store for the rest of the day, but just for this moment, let's just like make, allow yourself to make like a sanctuary in your own body so that the presence of God can come afresh right here. So maybe for you, it's to put your hand on your heart, like to live from this place of soul versus just mind. Maybe it's a place of receiving. It's like, I don't come with my own agenda. I come surrendered. I come to receive. And so maybe even better yet, close your eyes. Lord, I thank you that you are the one who comes and walks with us even when we're walking away from you, when we're lost in confusion, when we're lost in discouragement or fear, and you woo our hearts back with conviction and compassion. I thank you that you've done it in my life and you do it every day. <laughs> I'm so thankful for you, God. Help us be a people who can recognize you, Christ. Who learn to commune with you, to learn to invite you into our life. Come and stay with us, Jesus. Stop, come and stay with me in this moment. Don't keep walking. And so even right now, we just say, come and be with us in this moment, God. Come and dwell with us. Break your bread with us. Come, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to be our leader in this moment. A sense from the Holy Spirit that he wants to give comfort to many of you. To some of the edges of maybe things with church. It's like, I don't even know if I want to run back to Jerusalem and then join that community or whatever. It's like, I've, I've been hurt by that. Would you bring comfort, God? Would you bring healing? Thank you that you're, you're doing something new as well. So just receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls him the comforter. It's like how he describes the Holy Spirit. Just breathe for a second. So Lord, thank you for your peace. Thank you for energizing our faith. Thank you for restoring us. Thank you for being so kind <laughs> and coy and direct. <laughs> we follow you, God. We're following behind you, Jesus. At this time, I would love for us to just commune with Jesus in, in communion and take, take the Lord's Supper, um, come to the table. And so we have these elements right at the corners of the stage. And just for a few moments, we're gonna enter into worship here. I wanna I want allow us as a church family just to partake of the elements and then allow Jesus, like maybe even just like in your mind's eye, allow Jesus to break the bread for you as he literally broke his body for you, right? And then allow your, yourself to like recognize him afresh. 
So let's do that together. Um, and we'll enter into some worship. And then we have some baptisms. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So, Lord, we just come and we thank you for your faithfulness. And we take part in your, the thing you asked us to do to remember you. And so that's what we're going to do with this, with this wafer as it represents the broken body on the cross. And this, and this juice, which is your blood spilt out for us. Thank you that you want to bring us alive and give us uh, a new life, a new path, a new future. We love you and trust you. Be with us in this moment. In Jesus' name. All right, let's take communion as a church family.